Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They say a week is a long time in politics. And during social distancing or self-isolation, a day is, well, just generally long. We have to do it, though. We have to pull together. We have to get through it. It's needed right now. And with schools, leisure centres, pubs, restaurants, theatres all shut, the fact all sports being cancelled, including the big summer tournament Euro 2020, seems a pretty minor detail right now. But it continues to take up a lot of our thoughts. Will the football season resume? If so, when? And... Will the Olympics and the Paralympics take place? This is an Anything But Footy coronavirus special, and I'm Michael. And I'm John, and we are practising social distancing. Michael is in Darlington. I am in Hertfordshire at the moment. It's four months away, say the IOC and the former head of London 2012, Lord Coe, so we don't need to make a decision now. It will give something to look forward to, say others. But what about the athletes and competitors who've spent the last few years building up to it? We'll hear from a British athletics star on how she's coping and also an organisation representing athletes who call for it to be cancelled. In the past two weeks, since we last debated the sporting impact of coronavirus, what's changed? Well, frankly, what hasn't? Apart from one thing. Coming up with coronavirus cases continuing to rise and stay-at-home messages across the UK and large parts of the world, it's clear it isn't It's really clear, isn't it, what the priority is. We'll run through what's changed and whether it's time to call time on the greatest show on earth. Also, anything but footy wouldn't be anything but footy without Alberto Salazar and Mo Farah. The latest developments coming up. So let us know what you think on this coronavirus special from Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. You can find us on Twitter at AnythingButF. You can message us as well through our website. That's AnythingButFooty.com. And you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook and on YouTube as well. And do make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple, on Google and also on Spotify. Well, if you've been keeping up to date with our Twitter feed, you will have seen this week another raft of sporting cancellations. The most high profile, of course, is the football Euro 2020 will remain Euro 2020 
but take place in 2021. <laughs> so joining the list this week, things like the Tour de Yorkshire Cycling, the World Triathlon Series Leeds, the World Cup Gymnastics, British Swimming Olympic Trials, the World Diving Series Finale. They were both set to take place at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in London. The boat race has gone, the London Marathon as well. Canoeing announced no European Slalom Championships at Lee Valley and the Freestyle World Cup off too. National Skateboard Championships, that's bitten the bullet. No British a- athletics a- activity at all. And the boxing qualifiers taking place at the Copper Box, again, at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. They had to be halted midway through. So that is the state of play at the moment. But why we talk the Olympics and the Paralympics destined for Tokyo in July, August and September, well, they, as it stands, are still on, John. And the IOC say they will act as a responsible organisation, Michael. I then think this statement... I'm not sure actually indicates that, to be honest. The IOC has asked all its stakeholders within their own remits to do everything to contribute to the containment of the virus. So in other words, do what the government says, do social distancing. If you've got it, you self-isolate. But meantime, carry on training, although you can't train with anyone else and you can't even train with a coach and you can't train in leisure centres because they're closed and carry on because we want to stage the Olympic Games. That, to me, doesn't sound particularly like a responsible organisation. The statement continues, we're fully committed to the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020, and with four and a half months to go before the Games, there is no need for any drastic decisions at this stage, and any speculation would be counterproductive. The IOC encourages all athletes to continue to prepare for the Olympic Games as best they can. And that's my issue with it. The IOC seem to be saying one thing, we need to contain the virus, but athletes, you just carry on doing what you're doing. And I saw a video today on uh, Instagram, it was, of Katerina Johnson-Thompson training in what appears to be her bedroom. And that can't (laughs) be right. As we're heading to the greatest show on earth, we cannot have our leading athletes who, as you said in your introduction, have been training for this event, preparing for this event for four years. That, That is the length of the Olympic cycle. You know, there's other things and we'll go on to talk about doping and, and that situation as well, which I think is, is equally important. But what we've got at the minute is we've got athletes who can't train. They can't be around their normal support staff. So they can't be getting the strength, the conditioning, the physio that they need. They're perhaps not speaking to their dietitians, their nutritionists. And we are expecting those people to carry on as Katerina Johnson-Thompson is in her bedroom or as, uh, you know, Olympic champion Katerina Stefanidi uh, from Greece, of course, a pole vaulter. She's trying to train on the beach at the moment. How do you train for an Olympic pole vault final on the beach in Greece? She went back to Greece to take part in the whole handover of the Olympic torch and she now finds herself stuck there, not able to train. And yet we are expecting her to entertain us in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo in four months' time. Now, that has been the mantra, hasn't it, from the IOC, is we've still got time. This is what Lord Coe have said. We've still got time. Yeah. We don't have to make a decision yet. I but mean, athletes are having to make decisions now. I mean, Lord Coe staged the most successful games of a generation in London 2012. So he knows what he's talking about, whether you agree with what he said. He has the experience of putting on a games. He'll know when they have to make that decision. A bit like what we talked about in our last podcast where Dick Pound, the IOC member, probably were the first one to come and say, look, we'll need to make a decision in May for this. That's the last chance that we have before we make a decision. So, look, Lord Cohn knows what he's talking about. But he says it's too early to make a definitive decision. But 
is it too early? Because you've just listed a couple of the implications of social distancing. And there are so many more examples of them. Adam Jamili is training on his own. The uh, you know Olympic, the world uh, champion gold medalist from London 2017, 200-metre um, world champion, for her, uh, f- it came fourth in the 200 metres last year um, in Doha. You know, he thinks all the hard work will be wasted, but he agrees that it should be cancelled. Jess Judd, who's an up and coming middle and long distance British runner uh, who I've followed her career since you know she, she was an, a, a teenager training in Essex. You know, she's been originally stopped from training at her track in Loughborough. So again, how does she go and do that? Georgia Davish, the Welsh swimmer and Olympic swimmer and Commonwealth gold medalist, has come back from her usual base in Turkey because she can't she'd rather be at home than stuck as you said um about the the lady in greece rather than be stuck somewhere in the world all rugby has been cancelled apart from the gallagher premiership what does that mean for the sevens who've yet to qualify how does a team even try and train together to get ready for the olympics it's it's difficult for the IOC. I, I do understand their position, you know, and I understand the position that Tokyo as an organising committee are in because, as we spoke about on our last podcast, this was Japan's opportunity to relaunch themselves. A troubled economy, a nation that's been hit by man-made and natural disasters as well. And they've made a £10 billion investment in this Olympic Games to try and get things going again, try and welcome the world back to Japan again. And I I understand all of that background to it. And I understand why they are being cautious about postponing the Games too early. And then we get to that point on the 24th of July, that Friday afternoon that was meant to be before the opening ceremony, and everything in the world is right. The situation is, I think, is that everything in the world won't be right and that is becoming very very clear at the moment the Paralympics obviously are to take place a month later so they do have a little bit more time I thought the statement uh, released by the IPC and also the statement released by the British Paralympic Association actually was probably better than what the the IOC and the BOA released and I think the BPA as well they obviously have been talking to the IPC, they've been making a risk assessment sport by sport. They accept the concerns of the athletes and they also accept it's a worrying time for those, as far as the Paralympics is concerned, for athletes with, with underlying health conditions as well, which is an extra dimension to this whole situation. So I understand I have some sympathy with everything that is planned and everything that has been planned and built and all the infrastructure that's taken place in Tokyo. Postponing would be incredibly difficult because there will be contracts in place over businesses and the Olympic Village and everything that once the Paralympics was finished, they were all going to be handed over and repurposed um, as it was in London, of course, where we now have that fantastic Olympic Park where you've got business and you've got residential quarters and everything else. I understand that that situation um but i just think at the moment for the sanity not just the physical health but the mental health of all those people preparing for the olympics and the paralympics we need to say look we're not going to go ahead in july we are going to maybe look at the calendar maybe look at the contracts and see whether there is an alternative plan a plan b and the ioc don't seem to want to say there's a plan b because they've got too much money and everything else invested in this at the moment and i think you just got to look at the history of the ioc as well they're not ordinarily an organization 
that like to call off their party. And, you know, you go back to Munich in 1972, had Israeli athletes there held hostage, killed. What happened? The games went on after a small break. Atlanta 1996, that bomb in Centennial Park, within hours, Redgrave and Pinson were winning a gold medal. Someone had died in that park. The games went on. The build-up to Zika in Rio and thinking that Rio wasn't going to be ready... No, the IOC said the games went on. And then in Pyeongchang in 2018, you had this escalation of tension on the Korean peninsula. We were talking about potential nuclear war. What was the message from the IOC? The games go on. And that is what they're saying again here. And they normally hold their nerve and have proved right with Pyeongchang. I wouldn't agree with Munich, but it was different times uh, and probably even Atlanta in in 96 different times. But they usually hold their nerve and sometimes are proved right. I think this is slightly different. It's interesting that you say the Olympic and we'll we'll, in a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from Rob Kohler, who's the chief exec of Global Athlete, um, to find out what athletes are saying and not just our, mine and Michael's opinion. And also that British star as well will join us and tell us how how she's coping with it. But just quickly on the IOC and IPC, because you brought up some really good points. Thomas Bach, the Olympic president, said for the first time on Friday in an interview, so not a statement, in an interview, he said, we are considering different scenarios for Tokyo 2020. Uh, and we'll come on to the fact that the, the main issue, Michael, is that the, these athletes who can't train at the moment, half of them haven't qualified either, which we will talk about in a moment. But I agree with you about the IPC. I think their statements are more human and more personable and understand it. They say we're not oblivious to the unprecedented current situation. We must be honest and acknowledge the situation the world faces right now is much bigger than sport. And the other big thing with the Paralympics is that there is some concern about the Paralympians who some of them have um, immune deficient, deficient or chronic conditions that actually those athletes could be more vulnerable. And look, there are no current studies on the potential impacts of coronavirus on para-athletes, but this is a brand new thing. So again, what the IPC say, and I agree with you, the BPA put a, a really nice statement out as well, uh, saying preparations and qualification opportunities for athletes for Tokyo 2020 are being severely impacted. And we acknowledge this is a worrying period for those with underlying health condition, many of whom are disabled people. And I think that's what you've got to be. You've got to be honest about it. And I just don't think saying we're not going to do it, we're not going to talk about it, stop talking about it, stop talking about it, is the right thing. And two weeks ago... We sat there when we discussed this, Michael, and I agreed it wasn't the right time to make the decision. But I'm not sure, as we're about to hear, that it's not time to make the decision now. You're listening to Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic Sport Podcast. It's a special edition discussing the impacts of coronavirus on the Olympics and the Paralympics and Tokyo 2020. Let's hear now from one of our Olympic hopefuls, and this is what she told us. Hi, I'm Verity Ockenden, a 5,000 metre and 10,000 metre runner and part-time chef. Due to COVID-19, I've cancelled all travel and racing plans, the Stanford Invitational, the Brian Clay Invite, three weeks altitude in Flagstaff, Peyton Jordan, and since the track at Salisbury is now closed, I train at home on the farm alone. England Athletics and Howie Management have been helpful and understanding but there is not much anybody can do. Tony and I are used to coaching long distance, but we check in more often now to keep morale up. Regarding the Olympics, mentally we will suffer without this dream to work towards, but it's not realistic to expect a successful Games without postponement. 
athletes can't qualify and can't train sufficiently. We may be well equipped to fight viruses as athletes, but even if we were to catch and survive COVID-19, we would likely be left with scarred lungs. So personally, I would rather miss one Olympics than end a career because I could never breathe quite the same afterwards. So real tough times there for Verity Ockenden. All competitions, all training camps have been cancelled, as she's told us there. She's training at home uh, on the farm. She's having to do long distance coaching uh, with her coach as well. And she said it was mentally very hard. But I think the important thing to take out from that, and this is what the athletes are saying now, John, calling for a postponement. And they've also gone further. The Global Athlete, the organisation representing sportsmen and women across the world, have a really clear message. Here's their chief exec, Rob Kohler. Today we're asking for the International Olympic Committee and the International Paralympic Committee to, to announce to the world that they, the Games are going to be postponed. Uh, we're facing a global pandemic. Athletes do not have the ability to, to train when the facilities are closed. Society in general is shutting down, and we cannot expect athletes to have a different standard than the communities they live in. Um, they need to be influencers. They need to set the example. And not to send that message to them, uh, I think, is, is misinformed and misguided. And that's part of the reason we think it's, it's important for the IOC to and the IPC to show that leadership role. We've talked to hundreds of athletes. Um, the, the responses have been different. I don't think anyone wants the games cancelled. Uh, they want it postponed uh, because qualifiers have been changed. Uh, the ability to train and, and to peak leading into the, to the games is, is going to be difficult. So just kind of taking a, a reset, um, a pause, it's, it's not an easy decision for the IOC. I get that. Um, there's a lot of moving parts to running the games that only happens four years. But, you know, we're at a time right now that public health has to take a precedent over sport. And athletes' health uh, uh, needs to take a precedent. And, and I think that's where... We need the the sponsors, the broadcasters to also play a role. They have a social responsibility to ensure that the decisions that are being made are the right ones. Um, no one has all the answers, and it's okay not to have all the answers, but it, it's important to put a hold and, and determine later when it's possible to have the games. Uh, but let's do this um, immediately so athletes can feel at ease and and they're not put in a position um, that is unfair to them. Interesting that Rob says there, and it's something you mentioned earlier, Michael, about everything that's in place for Tokyo to stage the games is that the broadcasters, you know, Rob is saying, look, the broadcasters and sponsors need to adopt the same level of duty of care towards athletes by supporting any decision the IOC and IPC make about the flexibility and understanding during these uncharted times. And I think that's right, isn't it? You can't just put your head in the sand. And that seems to me to be what people are doing at the moment. And I, I guess there is an argument, and it was probably an argument that I would have been making up until 10 days, a couple of weeks ago, that, you know, we will come through this situation. And then what would be really good at the end of it is a massive big global party where we say farewell coronavirus and the Olympics, the Paralympic Games would have been a perfect opportunity to do that. I just think, though, with the, the way that we are seeing cases and deaths going up 
Uh, certainly, you know, you continue to see that rising in Italy. They seem to have got a bit of a handle on it in China where this outbreak started. Certainly here at home in Great Britain at the moment, I don't think we're anywhere close to the peak of this at the moment. I just think the games are coming too soon. And whilst, you know, I would love to feel at the the end of all of this that we could all go away and celebrate 17 days of sporting competition in glossy new stadiums in Tokyo and then have a bit of a breather and do it all again for the Paralympics. Um, I just don't think the timing is right. And I agree that these organisations, whether that's broadcasters or sponsors, I've not seen a great deal of reaction from some of the, the key big sponsorship names attached to the Olympics and the Paralympic Games but there does seem to be this head in the sand kind of attitude at the moment and as we've been hearing and talking about I think that is really then beginning to affect those that we want to see competing at their very very best and that brings us on I guess as well to the situation about doping at the moment because we want to see not just athletes at an Olympics and Paralympics competing at their very best but we want to see them competing cleanly and at the moment the world anti-doping authorities have admitted that they can't continue their their normal program at the moment so you have the potential that athletes at the moment who might still be preparing uh, for the olympics and the paralympic games could be preparing by doping ahead of the games and the gains then that that potentially would give you so you're getting to that situation where you might have a, a games where Athletes haven't prepared or seemingly haven't prepared as well as they should, but we could see some some fantastic records because no one's been drug tested in the way that they should have been over the past few months. Yeah, the UK Anti-Doping Agency has said this is a difficult decision and one that's not been taken lightly. Our priority is the health and welfare of our athletes and staff and doping control officers. Therefore, we must, in this unprecedented time, reduce the amount of doping that we are going to carry out so they're reducing the testing program and they say we'll continue to process intelligence and we'll act on information but of course on a on a as michael says on a um catch-all basis or a random nature which we all know as we talked about so many times on anything but footy that doping is you have the athletes have to say where they are at every hour of every day so they can knock on the door and uh, and do a test they won't be doing that because of the social distancing and wada statement athletes should bear in mind testing will continue only where appropriate and possible so as michael rightly says this makes the olympics less trustworthy if it was to go ahead and that is the big thing at the moment and also Michael as we said qualification hasn't taken place we listed some of those events that have been cancelled at the start also the pentathlon world cup has gone three diamond league meetings in athletics has gone all the rugby as I mentioned the sailing world championships has gone how if the Olympics wants to be the pinnacle of sport which of course we think it is we're huge fans of it they uh, say it is they say it's the best of the best how can you have the best of the best and the elite at their peak and the olympics if you haven't been able to train if you haven't qualified yet will they base it then on 2019 performances or then then that's not the pinnacle anymore because that was last year's performances you might have different performances this year Gemma Riki, who we talked about two weeks ago has had a great indoor season and has burst onto the scene but if she looks at her numbers from 2019 would she even qualify for the Olympics so where again what is the point of having the Olympics if it's not the best versus the best and clean, as you rightly say as well? 
And the IOC have said that 57% of athletes have already qualified. You look at Team GB, though, we're around 20 that we've named in a team that we were expecting to be around about 400, 450, at a a rough guess. But, you know, we've we've got our slalom canoeists. Yes, we can send them. We know our full sailing team, 15 of those. And we've got one sport climber who's been named. So, you know, at the moment... And a a marathon runner, Callum Hawkins. And a marathon runner. And so at the moment, you know, we've got, as I said, around about 20, 2025 people um, heading off to the games. That is Team GB at the moment. The rest of those team announcements, I was talking to the British Olympic Association this week. They are still planning those um, those team announcements in, as we were expecting, May, June. But, you know, that is what they need to do as an organisation. They have to, to plan accordingly. They do have a plan, obviously, if, if, you know, they can't make those announcements in the way that they're going to have to potentially do them in, in another way. They won't be able to do them in the usual way that we see with a big jamboree and a get-together involving all the media, of course. But, yeah, it's going to be incredibly difficult. Do we... We, we know... I'm going to talk from a British point of view here. We know who our funded athletes are in this country. So, Mm. you know, we know via UK sport, the athletes that we would have a pretty good idea of what our Olympic team was going to be. But there's always people that manage to qualify for an Olympic team or athletes that don't qualify for an Olympic team. There's always the surprise packages. And that is what makes it so special. Bearing in mind, obviously, the wider implications of of COVID-19 and coronavirus, um, I think on this occasion, if the if and it's a big if still for me, if the Olympic Games was to go ahead, we normally set that limit at around about 11,000, don't we? And I think if we were to, to, to say, yes, it, it's games on, we might have to be a little bit flexible with that number. I suspect that means then we should probably go up and give some of those people that were on the fringes that may have qualified the likes of Gemma Riki, say, look, if we if we're basing it on 2019 performances, Gemma, you're not in the team. But on this occasion, we are going to put you in the team and we might have to be a little bit more flexible. And I think with the bigger picture of everything that's going on in the world right now, that's that's probably a fairly insignificant <laughs> thing to do. But it would seem to me to be, you know, the, the fairest thing to do because the Olympic Games, going to the Olympic Games is, is usually a once in a lifetime thing for athletes. Certainly to go there as a contender is usually a once in a lifetime. And I think if we are to say that the Games go ahead, we are just going to have to be a little bit more flexible and say, OK, we had five people for this event. We should normally have only named four. But on this occasion, yes, we're going to put the five of you forward for it. And we might have to increase the numbers and maybe there'll be some more heats one morning. But, you know, as I said, it's it's still a big if for me whether the game should even go ahead or, you know, when would we postpone it to? Would yeah. we postpone it till later on in the year? Can you fit that into the, the sporting calendar? A lot of people have suggested there's no room in the calendar. We've well, ripped the calendar up, so well, it, why, why yeah. couldn't we? Well, because the premiership season will be ending. There won't, you know, the rugby season will be ending. They'll be pushing everything back for October, November. You're not going to get any of that coverage. You know, the Olympics is so kind of everything's cleared from the calendar. I think it should be next summer because if you've got... Um, other European championships events, which are big, I, I totally get that, or world championships in a sport that's the Olympics. If you talk to the sailors, as we do regularly on anything but footy, the Olympics is the pinnacle. So they're not going to go to the world. They're going to worry about the world championships in that year. They want to 
focus for the Olympics and you would, I would think, postpone the Worlds or the Europeans or whatever to have the Olympics next summer. That's what I would suggest. Before we wrap up then on this coronavirus because we just want to talk about Salazar and Mo Farah and the latest developments on that. A couple of points, Michael. Firstly, time to call it off. Time, I think, to call it off from the IOC's point of view, from the point of view of the athletes and the officials and the delegations around the athletes. I think it's probably for the sake of everybody, and I said earlier, physical and mental health, probably just time to give them a little bit of closure. And as you say, then, like the like UEFA have done with the Euros, say, right, we're going to do it. Same dates, 2021. I agree. For clarity now and for peace of mind and for people to concentrate on doing social distancing, doing what the, what is being advised and us getting rid of this bug in our society, then they need to do it now for clarity and we can move on and we can concentrate on what we should be fighting and working for. And that is to clear this a horrible bug that's uh, really you know, dominating all of our thoughts at the moment. Talking of and, which, you mentioned a part, party, Michael. Yeah. I, I think anything but footy should get on the bandwagon. We are fully supporting of this. I've seen this on Twitter a few times. The BBC needs to show London 2012 <laughs> from the opening ceremony all the way through to the closing ceremony. Day by day, it's full coverage. From I would love that from say next week and then it allows people to be in their house all day watching and reminiscing about one of the greatest summers of all time i i would be wholeheartedly in favor of that the the issue of course around it is would the ioc allow the bbc to do that because well the bbc was was our host broadcaster at the time they have had to hand those rights back so you know i think there's an issue there but um i think the ioc should on this occasion um, say to organisations like the BBC or NBC in America, whatever, say, yeah, OK, if you want to go and show some some archive Olympics, fantastic. I think if the decision was made to, to pull the Games of 2020, then I would do that from July the 24th and say, right, well, we've not got Tokyo 2020, so we'll replay London 2012 as well. I think it's a, it's a great initiative, a good campaign, and we're right behind it. And I just want to say a couple of other things as well. We've talked about social distancing. I notice on their Twitter feed, the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park says they're open. Um, I saw a lot of people out and about in parks. They weren't social distancing. So follow the advice on that social media feed by Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Great to get down there, do some exercise, keep active at this time but do keep your distance from people. Follow the Sport England feed. I know we spoke to the chief exec, Tim Hollingsworth, on an episode of Great British Bosses. He's an impressive figure, Tim Hollingsworth, from the the British Paralympic Association before that and from UK Sport before that as well. And he's leading Sport England here, I think, really, really well. So follow their Twitter feed as well about loads of great ideas that you should be doing to keep fit, keep healthy, keep your physical health, your mental health going at this time. And British Cycling as well, you know, um, again have been campaigning to government that cycling should be added to that list of things that you should be doing during this period of self-distancing as well get out on your bike keep active that's what british cycling are saying so queen elizabeth olympic park sport england british cycling and all the other sort of twitter social media feeds from those olympic and paralympic sports follow them for some great ideas of keeping active and keeping your mind and keeping your body going at this time 
Finally from us, two updates this week on the whole Alberto Salazar affair that continues apace. And as I said earlier, anything but footy wouldn't be anything but footy without an update. Effectively, this week we've had one from UK Athletics, which is the official name for British Athletics. They've revealed an independent investigation into their handling of the allegations about Salazar back in 2015 that came from that Panorama programme. You'll remember we've talked about it week in, week out. And then also in the update we've had from the UK anti-doping agency complaining that they were never part of that process and would like to see some of the detail of the original investigation and once again a bit of a war of words between a couple of UK sporting organisations which is never never great to see I'll talk very briefly about what the report said Michael maybe then you can pick up what anti-doping have said so UK Athletics published a report led by the sports lawyer barrister John um, Merzed who said that the governing body took reasonable decisions on Salazar but its implementation could have been better. That seemed to be the, uh, what the report said. It found some members of the board claimed they felt subjected to, in effect, blackmail by the British Athletics performance team who suggested their jobs would become untenable if Farah was forced to split from his coach. Of course, ever since that, Salazar has been banned for four years for doping offences and performance director at British Athletics, Neil Black, has lost his position. And UK anti-doping have been very critical of uh, UK Athletics for failing uh, to comply with their repeated request to hand over the 2015 internal review. That, as John was saying there, was the review set up following the 2015 Panorama programme. Uh, UK anti-doping, they've only seen sort of edited highlights, if you like, of this summary. UK Athletics have responded by saying that they have been cooperating. It's just one big, huge mess, isn't it? And I've been very critical in the past of athletes at press conferences or media days when they've been asked about doping and drugs. And I've said their body language always suggested to me that they weren't interested in talking about it. They used to roll their eyes and shrug their shoulders. And suddenly now I'm at that point where I am beginning to sympathise with them (laughs) because I am rolling my eyes and shrugging my shoulders at yet another story that is just rumbling on and on and on. This, as we said, goes back 2015, this Panorama programme. And I think also as well, and this is something that, funnily enough, we talked about with with Tim Hollingsworth in our Great British Bosses with, with Sport England. It also goes back, I think, to the layers of bureaucracy um, and the different bodies all interested, all have their own self-interest, of course, in British sport. And there are so many layers. You've got layers of, of organisations dealing with with you know high elite sport you've got grassroots mass participation sport you've got british athletics here in a row in a row with with uk anti-doping uk anti-doping don't agree with what world anti-doping are are doing Mm. it's no wonder it's no wonder that we have got ourselves into this situation and michael if you thought it was near the end of it think again because uk sport uk sport another body have started their own independent investigation into that whole process of british athletics and of course they are the ones who provide nearly two million pounds worth of funding for British athletics and that is what it all comes down to that if the if the government governance isn't right do you withdraw funding from an organization and some big challenges
challenges ahead for Joanna Adams, who started this week as the chief exec of British Athletics. We wish her all the best. Of course, we also need to say no suggestion that Mo Farah has done anything wrong. And he's never, of course, tested positive in any drugs test. But that debate and controversy and Alberto Salazar will continue to be a point of conversation. He's yet to appeal. Of course, Michael as well. So he's, he's off to the court of arbitration for sports, supported by Nike, as we know as well. Well, there is some sport that we'll probably get to follow over the next couple of months. It might not be the Olympics and the Paralympics. We'd love your thoughts on it, of course, on Twitter at anythingbutf. You can also find us on our website, anythingbutfooty.com. And you can find us on Instagram and also on Facebook. Tokyo 2020, the Olympics and the Paralympics. Should it go ahead, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.